Good evening, y'all. And happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. Y'all, I've been so excited all day long. Um, just this great day. It seems like it has not been a whole year since we've been having perpetual adoration. Like, it just seems like yesterday that we were making the plans and pouring the slab, and so many of y'all got Benedictine medals and Mary medals and threw them all into the slab, and um, then the walls started going up, and everybody started writing their petitions all over the walls on the inside, on the two-by-fours, man. And it's just such a cool image. Like, this is... The whole chapel is surrounded by your heart, your prayers, your loved ones. Those names are written inside the walls forever, you know. And so just a grateful heart today um, for what God has done. It takes a whole community to make a perpetual adoration chapel operate. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months a year, somebody's praying and not just praying just for the fun of it, but there's an intention in this Adoration Chapel. If you remember, it came about because of the scandals that hit the church. That's what the Lord did. Why did these scandals happen, Lord? I was in the chapel crying. Why did this happen? And he spoke very clearly. It's because my priest stopped praying. And then he placed it on my heart to build a chapel where we would pray 24 hours a day, for three intentions, if you remember correctly, it's for the students, for you guys. People are praying 24 hours a day for you and for President Clune and the staff and faculty here. For the sanctification of you guys. For the sanctification of marriage, husbands and wives. And the sanctification of priests and increase of vocations to priesthood and religious life. Like that's why this chapel is there. So it's a particular chapel of intercession for those three. And so as I was preparing, I was like, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. Like, I don't know what to really talk about because it's like there's so much to talk about. And my heart is overflowed with gratitude um, at y'all's generosity, both of your time, but also of your gifts and your talents. Within, if you remember, within 24 hours, we raised $230,000 to pay for this. It was just incredible. Overflow. So as I prayed about this, what am I going to talk about tonight, Lord? It was like, let's talk about something that's inside the chapel. Doc took something from inside the chapel to represent the chapel. This right here. The candle stand with all the blue candles. Um, that's usually right there by Mary when you walk in. And that's symbolic of your prayers. Right? The candles, your prayers lit. And they're right here at the foot of the altar. Right? And so I prayed about it, like, what am I going to talk about, Lord? And he put it on my heart to talk about the priesthood. And the priesthood in that adoration chapel is symbolized very specifically with that beautiful big image of St. John. Right? And I'm going to show that picture right here, and I want to talk about this image. Um, because I think it's fantastic. I think it's very mystical. And I don't think I've ever told the whole story of what's involved in this picture. So you will be able to go in there and appreciate it a whole lot more, right? So this is the image of what we've called, there's not an official title, to, I made one up, called St. John of the Pierced and Priestly Heart. That's the name of this image, right? It's an original, as well as St. Joseph. So what we're going to do is Brandy's going to blow up different parts of it, and I will explain the symbolism to y'all. 
so you can appreciate, and maybe even this would draw you deeper into the mystery of the Mass and the mystery of the priesthood, right? Because St. John was ordained a priest the night before Jesus died on the cross. Holy Thursday night is whenever Jesus ordained his men. And his men were not perfect men. If you remember, of the 12 apostles, John was the only one that went to the cross. All the other ones betrayed him. Peter cruised, took out, and Judas, of course, denied him, betrayed him. Right? And so what we see in this image um, is John, the beloved apostle, and he is at the altar celebrating the Mass. So if you zoom in at the top, Brandy, um, you're going to see St. Michael and all these images up there. And this is um, something that happened to me whenever I was uh, just ordained a priest. I was talking to Dr. Brant Petrie, and he said, he said, Father, how is it? How is it being a priest? And I said, Dr. Petrie, I said, I feel like I've been a priest all my life. And he said, that's because you have. He said, whenever God created you, he created you as a priest, and he's always known you as a priest. So this image here is St. Michael and all of the priests that ever existed in the mind and the heart of Jesus from the Last Supper until the end of time. Jesus knows us as priests. So that's what that image is. Then you walk over to the cross. Going above the cross are the Latin words ad majorium deo gloriam, um, which means for the greater glory of God. Some of you might see t-shirts that we have around here called AMDG. That's where it comes from, right? AMDG, for the greater glory of God. It's an Ignatian phrase. St. Ignatius would always sign his letters off AMDG, all right? Um, then you um, go over to the left. Yep, keep going, Brady. And you're going to see up at the top column up there is the, the eagle. The four gospel writers um, all have a different um, animal or human that they're associated with. John is the eagle because John's writings, his gospels, they somewhat soar high like the eagles to the heights of mystical theology. So John has always depicted his gospel as the eagle. Of course, you have the sanctuary lamp to symbolize the presence of Christ. And then, um, if we go over to the altar, you'll see, of course, Jesus on the cross. Going down, you'll see the tabernacle. Um, scroll up a little bit. There you go. The tabernacle door has the pelican on it. The pelican is seen f taking the flesh off of her chest and feeding her baby pelicans. So anytime you walk into a Catholic church and you see the pelican doing that, it's symbolic of the Eucharist because it's Jesus who takes his own flesh and feeds us. And the mother pelican would do the same exact thing. So the pelican is right there on the tabernacle. And then you'll see four circles around the tabernacle door. And those are the instruments of the passion, the crown of thorns, the spear and the sponge, the nails and the column and the whip that they scourged Jesus on. Of course, you see the Roman Missal. Continue going. Um, scroll up. Scroll up. I mean the other way. Scroll down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's my up. You're down. That's good. Okay. Keep going if you can. Okay. The front of the altar, you will see from the book of Revelation, um, John saw the lamb standing upon the altar. He was standing on the altar, yet he was slain and blood was coming out. So this lamb was alive, yet he was bleeding, symbolizing the resurrected Jesus, right? The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
The two fleur-de-lis on the left-hand side is the image of our Blessed Mother. It's one of her symbols. And then the three circles, symbolic of the Holy Trinity, which is always present at every Mass. All right, now if you go back down, you're up, my up, you're down. Um, keep going. Okay, now we're going to get to John. Let's look at John. You see his ear? Well, first of all, you notice John is a youth. He was probably around 17, 18 years old. He was probably a teenager whenever he was following Jesus. Um, and you see, so he's, he's young, he's, he's rugged, he's a handsome young man. Um, there's, a, there's a strength inside of John's face that is captivating. But then you see his ear. You see that little glow in his ear? That's not a hearing aid, all right? Um, <laughs> that's a symbolize that John had supernatural hearing because on the night before Jesus died, he's the only apostle that during the Last Supper leaned over and put his ear upon the chest of Jesus and listened to his sacred heart beating. So that little light in his ear is symbolizing that he heard the greatest mysteries of God's love beating, yet no other apostle heard that. So that's his little bright ear. Um, whenever you scroll down a little bit, um, there's John's heart, right? The pierced and priestly heart. It has a chalice and the Eucharist coming out of it. John is also depicted in medieval pictures holding a chalice with a snake coming out of it. Legend has it that um, at some point he was challenged in faith um, to drink a, a poison chalice. And if he would die, then his God was not real. And if he lived, well then they were converted. Legend has it that he drank the chalice and he lived. So it's always symbolic with a snake coming out of the chalice. All right. Um, if you now turn your gaze to um, the crucifix, right? what we see coming from the cross is, um, is Jesus is alive. He's not dead. But coming from Jesus' heart is a sword that goes straight from his heart right into the priestly heart of St. John. And St. John, this image is that the, the heart of the priest, the heart of St. John, had to be pierced. Can you imagine? John was standing at the foot of the cross, lost in confusion of what is going on. Jesus is dying, but he's just there. He's faithful to Mary. He's just there. And John's heart is absolutely and completely pierced in love for Jesus. And he doesn't understand what's going on, and so he clings to Our Lady. But imagine the sorrow of John's heart as he sees even yet Mary. He sees her heart pierced in love for her son. And she's able, unable to be consoled. Nothing in his masculine heart could console the heart of Mary. And so John stands in utter abandonment and vulnerability as that moment of love pierces John's heart like a sword straight through it. And it's that piercing of the priestly heart of St. John that now gives Mary access. You see Mary dressed all in white as Our Lady of Fatima with her heart exposed and a sword going through her heart, right? The prophecy of Simeon says, Mary, a sword shall pierce your heart. And so Mary is at the foot of the cross with her heart pierced and now she has access to John's priestly heart only because John's heart now looks like Jesus' heart. His heart looks like Mary's heart. The double piercing of the priestly heart is necessary for whenever Jesus looks at John and says, Disciple, behold your mother. In utter poverty, Jesus gives his mom 
Not just to anybody, but to his priest. But John couldn't receive that great gift of Our Lady into his priestly heart until it looked like theirs. It had to be pierced. And John, if you look at his eyes, John is looking to Jesus on the cross. Confused. Don't know what's going on. But he's looking to Jesus through Mary. It's as if Mary's heart is a magnifying glass. My soul magnifies the Lord. And so John, as the priest, is looking at Jesus on the cross through the magnification of the Mary's heart to understand the mystery of what's going on. Jesus now looks to his priest. Jesus is looking right to John, but he's looking to John through Mary. He looks at his priest through Our Lady. They're priest sons. This is when it all happened for the priest. It was right there at the foot of the cross. And so now Jesus is saying, I needed Mary to be my mom. I needed her to form me as a priest so that I would be able to lay down my life for my bride. And now he's saying, Mary, go to the priest. Go to John. Go to every priest that ever exists in the mind and the heart of Christ. Go to them, Mary, to be their mother. So that like John, we take her into everything that is our own. Our heart no longer remains the same as a priest. Our heart has to be pierced in a love for Jesus and Mary that is single-hearted, that sets us on fire. And this is the great mystery of what we encounter every day as a priest. And this is why when scandals hit, whenever you look at what just happened in New Orleans, it's horrific when priests do those things. Scandalous. It's diabolical. But this is not the image of the priest. This is the image of the priest. The priest that stands at the foot of the cross in the midst of great suffering, in the midst of great betrayal, in the midst of utter masculine vulnerability. He stands at the cross and allows his heart to be pierced. You see, priests will begin to die when they cut their heart off, when they protect their own heart. A priest will start to slowly wither and die. He will drink the cup of poison instead of the chalice of eternal salvation. An isolated priest is a priest that begins a slow road to a spiritual death. But a priest that remains with his gaze through Mary to Jesus and the gaze of Jesus and Mary into his heart and his eyes, he remains abundantly full of life, supernatural life. He's not afraid to let his heart be pierced with love for Jesus and Mary. And then that transforms the entire church. <laughs> like, that's incredible. Right? What a beautiful gift. And so, zoom back out. There you go. So now we see the whole picture, right? The beautiful gift of the priesthood. Of which I think needs to be spoken of more today than any other time in our history. Right? Whenever you're in that chapel and you're praying for priest and religious, for increase of vocations to priest and religious life, for young men to answer the call. This is what you're praying for them to be. Send us another John. Mary, send us more Johns that are going to love you with the purity of a heart that is not going to be afraid to be open and vulnerable in their masculinity and be transformed into another Christ. Don't let their hearts be pierced to look like Jesus' heart. So when you're praying for us as priests, Pray for us to become another John.
That kind of John it transforms the world. Right? And that's the kind of priest that we need. Young men sitting in these pews, maybe you're saying that's what I'm called to. It might be. If it is, <laughs> it's incredible. Answer the call. It's an invitation from Jesus to the greatest gift he ever left the entire world is the priesthood. His very priesthood he leaves to us sinful men he entrusts us with. It's a grave responsibility, but yet one of the greatest joys that we could ever imagine. No priesthood, no Eucharist. He could have left us the Eucharist on Holy Thursday night, and it could have ended right there if he wouldn't have ordained them priest. We would have never known the joys of an adoration chapel if it wasn't for priests. And so tonight, in a very particular way, remember the priest in your life that have touched you in some way. That's been John. That you've seen their priestly heart be pierced, maybe at your funeral of a loved one, maybe in times of difficulty. Remember the priest that baptized you? Without him, he gave you supernatural life. <laughs> right? Remember your priest tonight in thanksgiving. In thanksgiving for that great gift that Jesus left us. The priesthood of Jesus Christ. The greatest gift he left before he died so that we could continue to receive him over and over and over in the Holy Eucharist. Adore him 24 hours a day in the Holy Eucharist. An amazing gift. So let us now continue our Holy Mass. And we're going to leave John up there um, so that you can also have that to meditate on as the Mass continues. Amen. <laughs>